the Brothers in Kayfabe. For over two seasons, the revolutionary force in brotherly kayfabe entertainment. And now, Pro Wrestling and Being a Good Brother present the Brothers in Kayfabe. of Nick Khan and Johnny Ace. I am one of your hosts, El Gigante, Jake Keel. And you are listening to the Brothers in Kayfabe podcast, the leader in brotherly kayfabe content to my right in the Studio 316 Zoom studio. That is Mr. Aslan Lane and Bumgarner. What is up, Jake? And yes, we are live from the empty consciences of Nick Khan and Johnny Ace. But I'm That's just right. putting them out here. I don't condone everything Ric Flair has done, but I do stand with Ric Flair as he watches his legacy completely evaporated. Yeah, you know. Long, long ago, I had to learn that you needed to separate the human from the work. Um, that goes for anything that goes for movies, that goes for TV, yeah. that goes for music. A lot of your favorite people are messed Bad up individuals. Yeah. Don't Google how you climb the ladder of success. Right. You're I'm not saying happy. I'm not saying it's right by any means, but, but it works. That's what happens. I have what you want and you can't do anything about that. I loved Miramax movies. We'll just put it to that that effect, you know. Yeah. So um <laughs> that was a dark and da- dour. It note. was. But you know what's not dark? The Brothers in Cafe podcast because each week we gather together and we brother out. Yeah, and uh you know, before we get started, we'll kind of do a little rundown. I'm going to start doing a little rundown of what we have to come um in the future. Before we really get into it, we'll do a rundown at the beginning, rundown at the end. How about that? You know, some little housekeeping notes here at the beginning. I think that's um, good. We do. I don't know if you have this uh, prepared, but we do need to address <laughs> um, change of plans for today's episode. Yep. So that's that's what I was going to address first. Uh, we were supposed to have Mary Kate Anthony on the show this week. Super fan. Um, she came down with an illness uh, over the weekend. Don't know how severe it is, but the way she was talking, it's just like, you know, the flu or, uh, you know, the common cold, something like that. But uh, she woke up today with no voice. So (laughs) having no voice is not very good for an audio format. So um, we're shifting that. I believe she's going to be on next week instead. And this week, we're going to, you know, just kind of have more of a normal episode. We're going to talk a little bit about um, pro wrestling, what's going on in the state of wrestling right now. And then we're going to do something a little different. What is that different thing that we're going to try there, Landon? So we kind of teased it a little bit last week. Um, Well, we tried it a little bit last week for the first time, but we are going to try our hand at some fantasy booking. So tonight, 
slash today slash whenever you are listening to this episode, we are going to fantasy book the alleged return of The Rock to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and how we would set that up. And the reason that came about is I, we really enjoyed doing the fantasy booking last week. And, you know, we we want to try some different stuff on the podcast. Maybe every couple weeks we can do some fantasy booking uh, segments. So if you like what we you, you hear tonight, let us know and uh, we'll continue to try it out. Um, Landon, the build to brother fest one is on its way. Um, I was looking at the calendar today and, uh, we were talking about a potential date for brother fest one. And I think I've come to a conclusion and I was wondering if I could discuss it with you on air. I say, let's discuss it on air. So. We're trying to avoid all the holidays. You know, holidays, it's getting crazy. We're kind of booked on the show until um, the holidays are over. But Brother Fest 1 is, is coming quick. There was My first thought was, what if we did something on uh, New Year's Day? But then I remembered, I am not even going to be in town on New Year's Day. <laughs> And everybody will be watching WWE Day One, the first oh, yeah. ever live pay per view on January first. Um, and then I remembered I want to do this on a weekday because we are going to have some workers on, and I don't want to cut into their moment to have make money. You know, I don't want them to, uh, you know, lose out. We drop all of our episodes on Tuesdays. So what if the live show was on a Tuesday? That most certainly could be arranged. So my thinking is, and uh, we're going to contact everybody that's booked, but the road to brother fest one is indeed started. This is our WrestleMania, everybody. And it involves a, a a a month at least build. So I'm thinking January 11th, Tuesday, Brother Fest, live on Facebook, live, possibly on YouTube, <laughs> but definitely live on Facebook. And we get this party started. I think. This is just my personal opinion, but I think on Tuesday, January 11th, Brother Fest 2, minus one, plus you, plus me, plus everybody who listens to the Brother and Cafe podcast will take place. I think, I think we do it. January 11th. It's a Tuesday. Clear your schedules. Clear your schedules, everybody. I'm about to start sending out mass text messages about Brother Fest 1. To everyone we're going to have involved, we're going to start posting it. There's a poster that's going to be dropped this week. I can't wait. Man. I was I waiting mean, for you to say something. <laughs> no, no, I'm like, I'm... <clears throat> 
I'm not going to say what I'm thinking about, but the wheels are definitely turning uh, down the road beyond Brotherfest 1 to where, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Maybe Brotherfest 2 is live and in person. Maybe Brotherfest 3. Oh, I don't know. Maybe has live competition in it. I don't know. The possibilities are endless, but regardless, we can't do any of this without you all. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, we are trying some new things because we we want to do the best we can possibly do, and we can't do that without listening to you and hearing from you. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe Brother Fest 1. I'm just throwing this out here. I don't know. Maybe if you're part of the live show, watching along live with us on Facebook or YouTube. I don't know. Maybe you get a couple of tickets to some local shows. I think we could definitely work that out. I think we could definitely work that out. I think we could uh, maybe give away some merch. Maybe a hat. Maybe a shirt. Maybe a one-of-one brothers-only VHS tape. Maybe a beautiful Brothers and Kayfabe man thong. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Things get weird. I'm just saying the possibility of you participating in Brotherfest 1 and, I don't know, maybe randomly being selected and getting a Best of the Backyard Volume 1 DVD of Landon. I don't know. The possibilities are endless. I like that. But what I do Uh, know... Is is that Landon saying that he may still have some of his Backyard Wrestling tape days? I'm just saying there might be. There also might be some archival training footage of a young Mr. Aslan... On the other side of the announce table. We'll see. But I can tell you this. I am watching Tribute to the Troops 2003 right now as we record the show. And Santa just removed his clothes and his beard to reveal Stone Cold Steve Austin. And what a better gift to give the troops than a stunner and a beer bash to Mr. McMahon live from Baghdad. I forgot we uh we didn't even mention what we're watching. So so Landon, you are watching Tribute to the Troops. What years are those? So this is a DVD pack that has years 2003, which is the inaugural one, and 2004. Um, to my knowledge, they never release anything past 2004. I'm sad I don't get the weird one with Theo Vaughn at the naval base somewhere. That EO Vaughn. The main event is probably like the Usos and I don't know, Jeff Hardy teaming up against New Day and The Miz or something like that. I have already booked a con- confirmation of our first guest for Brotherfest. Confirmation. He is available that night and ready to go. He electrified season two. Ooh. He kicked us off into a new era. 
That is the hottest podcasting free agent, Aaron, the thrift shop Ortiz. Sorry, the flea market Ortiz. Hey, brother. I'm just saying the brothers in kayfabe have a very soft place in their hearts for both flea markets and thrift shops. You're right about that. My my soft spot right now is for AT&T Stadium. I haven't watched this show in quite a while. Well, we've got a uh, green we've got a Green Arrow sighting. Stephen Amell is in 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 town. I haven't watched this show in a while. I decided to pop on WrestleMania 32, mainly because I wanted to see Zack Ryder win the IC title again. And as I'm saying that, he be, he appears on my screen with Maria Menounos. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is when uh, Scott Hall and all of them kind of show up and like congratulate him for winning the title. Um. What a great moment. I I can't express enough joy about that moment for a guy that like they never thought that he would ever do anything for them and they WWE buried him a lot. Mhm. But like to have that moment with his dad hearing his music at Mania in what his third appearance, third or fourth appearance, never hearing his music at mania. So this, this is in 2016. He has been in the WWE for 10 years at this point on TV for 10 years at this point has been at multiple WrestleManias and never once has heard his music play. Right. I, I think, I mean, that's inexcusable. The fact that, there are other people who got the spotlight at WrestleMania, whether it was the undercard or the main card. Right. That's just, it's not right. The fact that Snooki heard the Jersey Shore mo- music at WrestleMania before Zack Ryder got to hear his own music, on it's inexcusable. But it happened. He got his moment. I literally almost shed a tear when his dad comes up and they're celebrating. And now we've got the big bootios box from the New Day spilling on the stage, and out come the New Day man. I will say, I, go ahead. I hated this match. It's them against the United Nations, whatever they were. But the end of this match is probably one of my favorite WrestleMania moments it's ever. So good with the legends coming out, mm-hmm. and oh. What were you going to say? I was going to say, it's only fitting that Zack Ryder's biggest moment in WrestleMania history has to be overshadowed by Triple H just happening to be world champion and in the main event at WrestleMania that year. Just, just makes sense. I can remember Pot of the Friend, Brian Thompson, messaging me after it was over because he went and just saying that like it was like a wet fart had released when Roman won the title yeah because it was 15 hours later yeah it was like oh 
it was a great show. And then they finish it with Roman winning the title and nobody in that room wanted to see Roman winning the title. Yeah. Cause this is, this is at the time where they're still trying to force Roman as the greatest baby face in the company. But also how over were the new day at this point? Like this is the beginning of the trombone era. They got the unicorn uh, headbands on. This is where they come out. Is this Dragon Ball gear that they're in? It is, if I remember correctly. It's like the black and gold. This was the uh, this was the gear that Mattel did the Budios box um, set in. But that's true. Man. I I would say that is probably one of the last. I don't know if I would say great WrestleManias, but really good WrestleManias because it still felt like a WrestleMania. Yeah. Like you have the, there's been great WrestleMania moments since then, but I agree. Cause it's like WrestleMania, like, yes, you want to have good matches, but you want to, you want there to be more moments on the card and you want those deep, like satisfying moments whether it's Zack Ryder finally winning a title or if it's the legends coming out and you see Shawn Michaels in ring gear for the first time in forever that you see that for a split second it's like wait a minute like I think Shawn is about to actually wrestle he's about to come out of retirement and wrestle he's jacked Mick Foley comes Mick Foley's like a hundred pounds lighter Stone Cold comes out it's like it's just a cool, cool thing. You get Undertaker versus Shane. Like a lot of a lot of cool moments on that card. Yeah. And then you get a 20 minute Triple H entrance and then a 45 minute Roman versus Triple H match. Well, you know, it it's a good show. It's it it, it was a really good WrestleMania. But, you know, it's just it's more of WWE just after that being just that, hey, we're the only show in town. Like, it's great that they have competition now because there's an altern- alternate viewing if you if you feel so inclined. Um, but you just really think that with there being competition now that WWE would step up and change and... They just keep on doing more of the same. Yeah. I will give them credit. I will give them credit. I was very surprised by this news that released that WWE is paying for John Moxley's rehab. It's a class move from a company that I thought was, had gotten to the point where they were classless. So that's just because Nick Khan and John Laurinaitis don't get a say in the rehab policy. Right. But like, I'm honestly surprised that Tony Khan hadn't already foot the bill for it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is surprising. So it's, it's not, um, like secret knowledge that WWE has openly paid for almost every former talents rehab use, um, that has needed it. Um, guys like Scott Hall multiple times, Xbox yeah. multiple times. Um, uh, Billy Gunn. Yeah. I mean, even guys like Mike Kanellis, whose life is completely different now. 
Right. Uh, um, because of it. So it's not surprising that they've done it, but it is surprising with, and this isn't me taking a stab at Tony, but how Tony Khan is the first person to talk about what a better boss he is or what a healthier place AEW is that, you know, making sure that wrestlers get insurance, that they have living wages and all this stuff. Right. Like, did... It, I, I, I just wonder how WWE came to pay for it because it seems like, you know, why didn't John go to Tony first and say, hey, I, I think this is what I need to do. And Tony's like, absolutely. We're, we're going to support you. We're going to take care of it. Right. Or <clears throat> was it like, hey, WWE pay for it. And Tony's like, good, let's make them pay for it then. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It it is just weird. I mean, regardless, it's good that that burden is being taken care of, um, and he's getting the the help that he needs. But it's just, it's just weird how that's played out. If that makes sense, it is weird. I you know, but like like I said, I I'm glad they're doing it. Um, and maybe it was a situation where Tony was like, yeah, let them pay for it. Like, whatever. But one good deed doesn't erase all the bad deeds done. And there's been a lot of bad from that company this year. And it's just, like I said, it's better. I'm going to continue to support <clears throat> both companies. But like... It it seems like WWE is giving me more and more reasons to sell my WrestleMania tickets. I will also I'll, I'll interject with this. Some people criticize WWE, um, by saying like, why are they so like open about like the rehab policy and like of all the people that they willingly help with rehab? Like, isn't that a scum? Isn't that a scummy thing to do by saying like, well, look at all the people I help. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, that's like from a business perspective, like that's that's genius. Why would you not highlight your charity work or, you know, right. I think, and I think that's why the Susan G. Komen stuff, I think the make a wish, um, Connor's cure, like all that stuff. I mean, that's kind of why it's highlighted. Obviously, that doesn't, like you said, it doesn't erase all the, horrible things that have been confirmed and even more right. so the alleged things that have yet to be confirmed. But at the, the end of the day, it's just, I mean, there's a lot with corporations that big. There's so many moving pieces. And we joked about in our intro, the fact that, you know, it's very well that, Vince has nothing to do with releases when it seems more and more that Nick Khan has free reign to trim wherever he wants to trim. Yeah, but... But then you have Paul Heyman and Triple H who are, you know, Paul Heyman's the the hero of the indies. He discovered all this talent and then, you know, Papa Triple H giving everyone in NXT a chance, but it's like 
that also doesn't undo all the horrible things that they've done and continue to do. I don't think Nick Khan has free reign to release who he wants. There has got to be a list within, you know, whether it's a memo of Vince saying these are the guys that it's okay to get rid of. Because Vince isn't going to go, yeah, uh, release release where you think we can trim some fat. And then he releases a, let's say a Seamus. You know, because that's someone that is underused that could be used more. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did release him at some point. But like, I think if Vince saw that they released him, he'd be pissed. Yeah, I. So either either there's like a, a roaming list of like people that. Yeah, it's okay to get rid of these guys. Or it's like Nick understands which ones are untouchable in which ones that Vince doesn't give a crap about. Mm -hmm. I I think it's got to be some, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it's, if the list changes, like, hey, Vince, sign off on these releases, and then it's changed. The only reason I say that is if there's any truth to Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows talking about their meetings with Paul Heyman and, Triple H and that alleged whenever Vince went to AJ that Vince had no idea that Gallows and Anderson were being cut and that that was strictly a Paul Heyman thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of that. I mean, but there's also no surprise that Vince is like, hey, why do we people over this age in developmental if it's supposed to be where we're polishing and establishing stars yeah, for sure. I but I think it all just goes back to it's way too convoluted and toxic because how do you I mean, how do you have people who look you in the eyes and say they're gonna take care of your wife and your kids and make sure your family's taken care of and then act shocked when you're released two days later, even though they're the ones that signed off on it and recommended you be released right but then again that's why it's called the wrestling business and not the wrestling friendship it's you know we can go on and on and on and you know we have at points about the shadiness of their release system and but at the end of the day we also got to remember that this is a company and firings happen every single day in major companies Mm -hmm. so It's not uh, abnormal. Yeah. And we talked about this before we went live. AEW might have to start letting people go if. And I think the shocking part is the fact that they've hoarded so much talent that. Yeah, it's there seem to be not a lot of releases the past few few years. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's like 81 or 82 releases so far for 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a, as much last year. Yeah. And like, that seems like a lot, but you have to understand for since like 2015, I would say. Yeah. Um, how many times did we see the updates of NXT did a tryout in India and they signed 24 people to contracts? Hey, NXT did a tryout in China and signed 20 people to a contract. Oh, hey, here's the newest group of recruits. 
And it would include guys like Keith Lee or Apollo Crews or Trevor Lee um, or Kushida, like just things like that. There's been this steady influx of so much talent, all the people getting purged from the indies. Right. And no one ever got released. It wasn't like, because historically it used to be right after WrestleMania, there would be releases. You would trim the fat. And it made people were not using. You know, people that were unhappy. I mean, it it is sad that people would lose their jobs, but I mean, that that's part of business. You got to also remember, and Bruce Pritchard talks about this a lot. Most of the people they release, a lot of the people they do release. Are the unhappy people. Yeah, as if and if you go and look at it, a lot of the guys that they release in these deals are the ones that are like, yeah, I was not happy there. And he, he makes the comments like, sorry, we get rid of the people that don't want to be there. Like, if you don't want to be there, we're going to cut you yeah, because we don't want that kind of thought process in the locker room. I get that. That makes complete sense. Yeah. You don't, you don't want someone to, you don't, you don't want a bad apple to spoil the rest. Right. Exactly. That's perfect analogy for it. So, and I mean, you could argue that there's times when the bad apple is justified. Oh yeah. But I mean, you know, uh, not to rag on CM Punk, but with all of Punk's frustrations, you can't help but think that had an effect on other people in the locker room, good or bad. And it's one of those things to where, you know, they they tolerated it to a point and then finally granted him his his release. Well, and, just think of like FTR. Yeah. They weren't being used, and especially they didn't, weren't being used how they thought they should be used. It's not that they weren't, you know, decorated. They won all the titles that they mm-hmm. they could ever dream of be- winning. But they also wanted to be used in a meaningful way. And they said, if you're not going to do that for us, release us. And they did. There's, I I bring it up all the time, but it's been erased from the internet forever. There's a video, I think it's Sami Zayn ranting in the Performance Center to Triple H. Oh, yeah. And it's like someone filmed it on their cell phone and he's ranting. He's like, how on earth did you guys fire Chris Hero because you quote unquote couldn't come up with anything for him to do? And this isn't like chubby Chris Hero. This is like Chris Hero finally got in shape for the first time in his career. 6'4, putting on muscle, all this stuff. How did you guys fire Chris Hero? But Yoshi Tatsu has been here for seven years. Right. And it's one of those things to where it's like, I I don't get it. It also doesn't help that allegedly there's 30 plus members of the writing team. Yeah. But all that to say, it's, I mean, it's, it's a part of business. Um, it'll be interesting to see everyone's response. If AEW does start cutting talent, or, I mean, you could see him go the WCW route to where it's like, Hey, we don't have room to use you on the show, but, so we're just going to pay you to sit at home. Right. And I mean, they've, they've got the money to do that. Tony Khan has that money. 
Yeah, I, and I I don't understand the the business side because on paper AEW is still yet to make a single cent of profit. Um, but it's one of those things to where the talent pool is so flooded with all these releases. You know, everybody everybody wants to play in the NFL. Not everybody gets to. Right. There are people I, who are just as talented and have the ability to, but if the spot's filled, the, the spot's filled. The other day I was watching the movie Moneyball. Mm. And there's a thing that rings true with me every time I watch that show. He, Whenever they're talking to the young Billy Bean, uh, the recruiter is, and he goes, at a certain point in life, everyone is told they can no longer play the children's game anymore. Hmm. He goes, it may be whenever you're 10, 20, 45, but we're all told. And that just sticks with me with this stuff. Like you could be living your dream. And one day you're going to be told you're done. This is it. And you'll never step in that ring again. Look at um the emo guy that got released from AEW last year after the allegations. Mm. I can't even think of his name. Uh, Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc. I almost said Jimmy Jacobs, but I knew it wasn't Jimmy Jacobs. Jimmy Havoc. Working at like Home Depot now. Yeah. Granted, that was from his own actions. But... One day they told him, "Hey, you're done." Yeah, I and mean, he was told. You you look at guys from the '80s and '90s who were big stars and made big money, and their time is up. And you either are lucky enough that your name value still has enough that you can do conventions and indie bookings, or right. you know, I think it's is it. Paul Roma, maybe um, like he has a car dealership now, like Rick Steiner does real estate, right? Like there's people who's like, Hey, un- like it's just a part of life. Your time has moved on uh, and excuse me, you've, you've got to move on too. it's, it's unfortunate, but it's a part of life. I was thinking about this. I was editing um, a two cold Scorpio match the other day. Um, a client sent it to me and I was editing it and two cold Scorpio can still go like dude is almost 60 and absolutely can still go. Debuted in 91. And I mean, I would say since like 98, maybe 97, has been out of the spotlight. And thankfully, he's still able to do his thing on the indies, but it's one of those things to where, like, hey, that's probably somebody you could put, like, in a part-timer spot somewhere. But I don't think that is going to be an option. You know, there's guys like, you know, this... I almost don't want to bring this up, but I'm going to. One of the saddest examples is Sean Stasiak, yeah, created Twitter like two years ago, two or three years ago, randomly. Like I was one of the first people he followed and I thought it was a bot at first and then it was him. 
and all of his tweets are it was leading up to Kurt Angle's retirement because he was Kurt Angle's first pay-per-view match in WWE. Yeah. And he was like, he every literally every tweet was at Stephanie McMahon, at Triple H, at Vince McMahon, at WWE. How great would it be to have the guy that brought Kurt Angle to the show be the person to retire Kurt Angle? Oh, man. And just like all these. Now, this is like 2017, I want to say. And he has all of these um, like promo shots and like headshots that he clearly had taken in like 2008, 2009. Um, Just based off of the pixelation of them. And he's like posting those. It's like pictures of him like pretending to box and pretending to work out and stuff and just advocating for a job like, why don't you put someone on the roster who's willing to show people what it's like to actually make it in the WWE? Or there was even, this was kind of cool, but also sad. Um, so his dad was one of the first WWE champions. And he was like, how cool would it be for me to return to at WWE, become at WWE champion, and form the first ever father-son WWE champion legacy. That would be so cool. And it's it's cool. Like all these ideas are cool, but it's like like I hate to tell you, like it, your your time is past. Right. Like it's unfortunate. Like you're in great you're, shape. You're I'm done. Yeah. Like I'm sure you could still do it if given the opportunity. But to quote CM Punk, the the wheel is going to keep turning. Like. You you look at any form of entertainment, you look at movies, it you know, the the young, handsome actor can't be the young, handsome actor forever. The the moment after the match where all they're all drinking beers and Mick Foley is drinking a beer, like it's like watching Santa Claus drink a beer. Like, <laughs> do you remember when Mick Foley dressed up as Santa Claus and Alberto Del Rio ran over him? Yes, I do. I do remember that. Did you ever watch the Mick Foley Santa Claus documentary? No, I haven't. I need to. I need to so bad. It's called I Am Santa Claus. And I've I've seen it probably two or three times. And I wanted to watch it strictly because of Mick Foley. That thing is a trip because Mick Foley's probably only in 20 minutes of it, even though he's on the poster. It's well, I it's wild. What do you say we start wrapping this sucker up and let's uh let's get some fantasy booking in? I say let's do it. So to set we went mood. off on our normal tangents. <laughs> we did just to, to set the mood. So a lot of people were disappointed at Survivor Series that The Rock did not show up, but rather we got the Cleopatra egg. And so now people are saying, well, I thought we were, you know, the rumors have been going around for about two years now that it was going to be Roman versus Rock at Mania. We just didn't know which Mania. And we thought it was all going to be this year whenever they were going to Inglewood, mm-hmm. when they were going to Los Angeles. But that all changed because of the COVID restrictions there. And mm-hmm. now Dallas came a year earlier. 
So go ahead. So nobody knows because it's like, well, are they still going to do, is it going to take place at Mania Dallas this year, meaning 2022? Or when they do finally go back to California, they go back to LA in 2023. Do they do it there? The Rock's not getting any younger. I mean, he's he's still a beast, but keep in mind his last match he had, he tore like four or five Everything. muscles. Yeah, and Everything. that's why he hasn't wrestled again since because it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, we can't afford The Rock to get hurt right, and lose all of our movie money. So, all that aside, the idea of The Rock coming back for probably his last match to do the favors for Roman Reigns is very, very enticing at this point, seeing where Roman has become. So now we're going to book. Jake and I will take turns booking how we would book The Rock's return and how do you get from where we are right now to WrestleMania. And we would love to hear those of you who are listening get on our Facebook group and share how you would book the rock versus Roman. Yeah. I would love to hear everybody else's uh, reasoning. Um, But you know, this is, this is going to be how we do it. Um, And I would like to, I would like to hear how everyone, what everyone thinks about our, uh, how we're doing it. So, you know, get on the Facebook group and, and tell us who you think won, you know, in your eyes, not necessarily winning, but like, that's the way to really put it. Um, I want to, you know, I want to know what y'all think about our individual bookings and we're going to keep them pretty sweet, short and sweet. Um, I would say debut and then, you know, the story to the story to mania. So, uh, Landon, would you like to go first? Or would you like me to go first? I'll, I'll go first. Uh, cause okay. I feel like mine will be a little shorter, Okay, but I feel like mine might be a little non-traditional in the terms of a returning legend. Okay. But I think for the sake of, Oh my gosh. So uh, <laughs> I have to interrupt. It's Brock Lesnar. Well, it's actually Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit here oh, at Tribute to the oh Troops. My gosh. And they have, I can't tell if that's another cameraman or if that's a sniper. I'm pretty sure it's a sniper because it's filmed from, so this makeshift entrance area they have there's several u.s troops on top of like the roof for a lack of terms yeah and they have a camera view from up there and it literally i'm too lazy to go back and rewind it but it literally looks like during benoit's entrance that you just see like (laughs) you see the nozzle of the sniper rifle pointed at Benoit during his entire entrance. That's and it's like, insane. like, did they think it'd look cool to have like troops pointing their weapons? Like 
during gonna, the entrances or I'm gonna do my Jesse Ventura. What does he know? What, what does, does he, he know? know? Follow the money. But back to fantasy booking. So this is how I would set up The Rock versus Roman Reigns for WrestleMania. Right now, in shoot life, we are at the end of November. There's no December pay-per-view this year. There's a January 1st pay-per-view, and obviously there is the Royal Rumble. So Roman is kind of doing his thing. He's got a weird thing with Sami Zayn going on. We all know that with the recent news that Brock Lesnar's suspension has been lifted, Brock's probably going to show up at the Rumble. So you have your traditional, you know, women's match, you know, maybe women's rumbles, the opening match. Then you have the WWE title, Big E defends it against somebody. Then you have both women's championships. And then before the men's rumble, you have Roman defend the universal title against Brock. Somehow, some way, Roman retains. Let's say, given history, somehow the Usos will get involved. It'll look like Brock's going to lose, but then Brock will go on a rampage, destroy the Usos, turn around, catch three or four Superman punches, and then a spear yeah. to lose to Roman. Roman retains. Now we're on to the Rumble match. The Rumble proceeds as normal. Let's say around. I don't know, entrant 11 or 12, Jimmy Uso comes out. Then, let's say entrant number 13 or 14, Jay Uso comes out. And now the Usos are working together, eliminating people left and right in the Rumble. The plan is that the Usos will retain, or will one of them will win the Rumble so that they can ensure that the bloodline continues, that the head of the table remains strong as universal champion. And so we get down to our final contenders. You've got the two Usos. Let's say, let's find a good sacrificial person, and it makes sense. Let's say you've got Kofi and Woods in the ring because it wouldn't be a WWE pay-per-view without New Day versus the Usos in some way, shape, or form. And so you've got two teams going at it. For those listening at home, I'm smiling it's, big hey, on that comment. It's, I mean, it's, it's true. Someone count up how many times we've seen the New Day versus the Usos on Raw and SmackDown. But besides the point, you've got those four in the ring. There is one entrant left in the Rumble, and Kofi gets to do his cool spot outside the ring where he almost looks like he's eliminated, but he's not. As he is on the outside, Woods gets eliminated. Kofi jumps back on, takes out Jay Uso, and now it's just down to Jimmy, and it's down to Kofi. The timer... Counts down to zero. If you smell. And The Rock returns as number 30. Everyone's losing their mind. Kofi starts to twerk and starts to clap and do that kind of stuff. Jimmy's trying to act all tough and cool because he's a noose. 
The Rock gets in the ring. The crowd is losing their minds. There's a little bit of a standing ovation. The Rock goes to shake Jimmy's hand, pulls him in, hits him with a rock bottom. Kofi's jumping up and down ecstatic because The Rock is on his side. He's a good guy. Kofi goes to high-five The Rock. The Rock hits him with a rock bottom. Kofi supercells, gets up. The Rock tosses Kofi over the top rope. So now it's just down to The Rock and Jimmy Uso. Jimmy gets back up. Maybe whenever, let's say whenever The Rock throws Kofi out, Jimmy jumps on The Rock's back, kind of piggyback style. The Rock shakes him off. There's a little bit of back and forth, just enough to make it seem like, oh, like, you know, there's a chance Jimmy could still do this. Maybe you've Jay Uso come back out and they're just trying. But regardless, The Rock just starts cleaning house. Left hand to Jimmy, right hand to Jay, left hand to Jimmy, right hand to Jay. Takes them both out. Finally sends Jimmy over the top rope. The Rock wins the Royal Rumble. And it cuts to backstage and you see Big E and Roman both standing sideways looking at the TV out of the corner of their eyes because that's how you have to watch TV on a wrestling show. And so they both see it and Big E just looks at Roman and looks at The Rock and then smirks and walks off because he knows he knows what's going to happen. Show up the next night on Raw. The Rock comes out to a standing ovation. Actually, you know what? The Rock will, Fox will probably shill out the money. The Rock will show up on SmackDown <laughs> live well, on that Fox. Is, that is The Rock show. It is The Rock show. He'll come out to thunderous applause, standing ovation, say, finally, The Rock has come back to SmackDown. And finally, The Rock has won the Royal Rumble. And he talks about how he came back for the people, that he never forgot them, all this good heartwarming, heartfelt stuff. And then he says, you know, it's special that The Rock won at the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble holds a special place in his heart. And he can talk about, you know, his I quit match with Mankind. He can talk about beating CM Punk for the WWE title. And he can talk about in 2015 when Roman won the Royal Rumble and The Rock came out to celebrate him and champion him and The Rock for the first time since feuding with Stone Cold was booed out of the building and The Rock says that he realized then and there that Roman Roman wasn't the one to take the torch and to carry on the legacy of their family And that while Roman has improved and has been dominant as a champion, dominant as a performer on SmackDown, the way Roman conducts himself is completely contradictory to how the rest of that Samoan dynasty carries themselves. Of course, the bloodline comes out, Roman and the Usos, Talk about how it's not fair that, um, you know, The Rock waited until number 30 to come out whenever Jimmy and Jay were both tired and, you know, they could easily take The Rock anytime, anywhere. And 
The Rock says something about how, well, to whip both of you monkeys in a little bit, but I'm not here to talk to you. I'm here to talk to Roman. And basically, Roman just says, hey, like, I'm better than you in every way. You want to know why? Because Stone Co- or because Vince McMahon chose me instead of Stone Cold said so. Because Stone Cold said so. <laughs> Have Roman say something about how the re- reason he knows he's better than The Rock is because Vince chose him instead of chose choosing some bald redneck from Texas. <clears throat> and then you have it to where The Rock is like, oh, okay, okay. Like, so you're agreeing that you've had to, you've been handed everything. Let me tell you about one time in my life where all I had was seven bucks to my name. And the generic The Rock talking about working from hard times, talking about right. how all that stuff, just to set up that build. <clears throat> and they go back and forth. They, there's no physicality. Fast forward a couple of weeks. The Rock is there via satellite. Roman is like, hey, I mean, he can't be that great if he's already back in Hollywood and it's only been one week. <clears throat> Let the Usos interject as well. And then The Rock explains that while he's on the set of filming Red Notice 2, and he can't be there this week, The Rock can be there at Fastlane. And so it'll be The Rock, and I'm going to assume The New Day, or somebody similar to that. It'll be The Rock and two partners of his choosing versus Roman Reigns and the Usos. So you get a little glimpse of that buildup, but you don't get the real thing yet. And so you get to Fastlane, you have the match, standard good tag team match, right whenever it seems like The Rock and Roman are going to go at it. I don't know. Maybe Brock Lesnar shows up or something. Just to <clears throat> just to spoil the opportunity for the people to get to see Rock versus Roman at Fastlane already. Somehow, some way, shape, or form, let's say <clears throat> Brock comes out, F5's Roman, beats up the Usos. Rock and Brock stare down each other. Brock kind of smirks. You see his man bun jiggle a little bit, and then he hops out of the ring and goes back to his farm in Canada. Rock turns around, catches a spear by Roman. One, two, three. Is that a glimpse for WrestleMania? A couple more weeks of buildup, and then we're at WrestleMania. It's The Rock versus Roman for the Universal title. But if The Rock loses, he must retire and acknowledge Roman Reigns as head of the table of their family. And I think you could get some cool promos of, you know, after WrestleMania, people aren't going to refer to Samoans as The Rock's cousins. They're going to acknowledge them as Roman's cousins. I think I think there's some opportunity for some fun tongue-in-cheek stuff like that. But in a nutshell... That is my plan of how I would personally like to see The Rock come back because I think having him, and I know there's an argument about, well, the Rumble should be reserved for, you know, younger talent and stuff like this. 
yeah. you know, that's their opportunity to do it. But I think that's a much better way for, because I don't see them taking the title off of Roman anytime soon. And I think it would mean even more if you have Rock versus Roman for the title on the line. Yeah. Because then there's something in it for The Rock because it's like, hey, well, Rock versus Cena, The Rock won. You know, no one expected The Rock to beat CM Punk for the title. Right. And so I think I think you very well could see something like that. And I think it I think it would be fun for The Rock to show up win the rumble and make like, I think that would make up for the lack of his appearance at survivor series. That's just my take. I like it. I really do. Um, I, you know, I think the logical thing is going to be the rumble, but I'm not going to go with the logical thing. Cause when have I ever been logical? <laughs> So we build up that he's he didn't show up at Survivor Series, you know. Roman kind of continues the Brock thing until the Rumble. Um but starts sneaking in jabs against the Rock. How he wouldn't show up, you know, his family wanted to see him really, really play up the family thing. Say that he's turned his back on the family. All this stuff. Roman is trying to make rock out to be the heel this whole time. Obviously. Everyone's the hero in their own story, obviously. Of um, course. So, the rumble comes around and you know, every fan is sitting here going, he's going to show up at the rumble. Roman beats the rock like normal with, you know, or Norman Ro Roman beats Brock. Did I say the rock? Yes. Roman beats Brock as normal. With, you know, bullcrap from the Usos. And he gloats more. Continues with the, I'm the leader of the family. I'm the leader of the Samoans. I am your tribal chief. Acknowledge me, the whole spiel. Rumble starts. Next match is the Rumble. This whole buildup they've been talking about, the plan is, like you said, for the Usos to win the Rumble so that they can control what happens. Their plan is one of the Usos wins, they're going to go after the WWE title so that the bloodline controls the gold. Mm-hmm. So we get into the rumble and the rumble goes through to the final five. Both Usos are in it still get down. They eliminate everyone from the ring. We're getting down to the last couple, couple uh, deals and 
I, and in this hypothetical, I, I don't have the people planned out for the final. So, you know, the nor- the usual suspects are in there. Gets to the 30th and the music hits. The Rock's music hits. Everyone's going crazy. But it's The Miz. I love it. I love it. Roman has bought his services to screw everybody over. And the fans are dumping all over it. But it works in our favor for them. This was planned. All all the tweets saying this is the exact reason why I'm canceling Peacock. Exactly. Exactly. So in the process, you know, they the the whole storyline is is, you know, and you can even have the Miz take the mic and say that Roman paid him to do this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, but he didn't pay me to do this. And then he knocks both of the Usos out of the ring. So they don't even get what they want. They, you know, back to square one. They can't control the gold. The Miz goes on to face Big E at WrestleMania, which I think would be just a great, great match, a great combo for each other. Or you can have the Miz lose the, lose the right to the match. I don't really care about the WWE title for this, for this hypothetical situation. We're trying to get to the universal title picture. So the universal title now has no one to fight for. So Roman says the typical heel fashion, I guess since my cousin didn't want to show up, she's going to take the night off. You won't see me in Dallas. I won't be there. I'm going to, you know, go on vacation, whatever. We get to fast lane. Not a peep, not a peep from the rock fast lane or elimination chamber, whatever the next one on the road is. They switch around them so much. Not a peep from the rock. Meanwhile, Roman takes the pay-per-view off again. I've beaten everybody else, he says. Nobody is left in my way. I've beat The Rock. I've beat Brock. I'm having such trouble with The Rock. I'm having Brock. I've beat Brock. I've beat Cena. I've beat everybody on the roster. I beat Big E. There's nobody left for me. Still not a peep. And now you've got the fans wondering, this ain't happening. They they couldn't afford him, you know, or they couldn't afford the insurance, whatever. We're a month away. You know, because there's always like that month and a half build right before Mania where there's nothing but the build. We're a month away. We're celebrating something for the for Roman. 
what they're celebrating doesn't matter. It's, you know, they're getting an award for being the greatest in, universal champion of all time. You know, something they so set up, something Paul Heyman set up. Who knows? Maybe by then we have uh, that kid from NXT that's their brother up just to really play up that Samoan dynasty thing. In a perfect world, I would have thrown Nia Jax in there too, just to have all the Samoans in one basket. But, you know, and they're celebrating. They're celebrating. And then his music hits. It's SmackDown. The Rock Show. It's just a All of it. Biggest pop he's ever had, you know, because at this point, the fans really are thinking oh, is, they they haven't really even men- mentioned the rock anymore. Like it must just be done. And yet here he is. The rock says, Roman, you're no good as the tribal chief that no one would have never ever acknowledge your Rudy Poo candy ass dresses him down and they all beat up on him they all beat up on him and that's the story going in is the rock is outnumbered by his own family literal blood he's outnumbered But Roman tells him, I will face you for the inter- for the Intercontinental, for the Universal Championship to put it to rest who's the best, who's the greatest in this family. You bar, bar everybody from ringside for WrestleMania, and it's just... The Rock and Roman, one-on-one. Paul Heyman can't be down there. The Usos can't be down there. Uso's brother can't be down there. None of them. And then The Rock takes Roman to his limit. Rock takes him to the ultimate limit. He can't take it any farther. And Roman pins the rock. One, two, three in the rocks. Final match ever. He does business on the way out. And now Roman is the literal biggest wrestler in the world. Because he has now finally proven himself. And you can either take it and give it more heat or now he's the biggest, most over baby face that he's ever dreamed of being. And that's where I end it. I, I love it. I have to admit, whenever you were talking about the Usos and Roman pointing out that The Rock has nobody, he doesn't even have family, that you were going to hear a 1970s black Dodge Charger revving up and they would cut 
to Vin Diesel showing up to support The Rock. And then at, re- re- that. at WrestleMania, you get a cool Dominic and uh, he's a special enforcer. Yeah, you, you get a cool man. I could have gone that way. And now I wish I would have gone that way now. Like have a cool over the top Fast and Furious uh, entrance at WrestleMania. I, I I love that, especially I love the swerve with Miz because we saw that in yeah. 2011 or 2010, and it worked so freaking well. well. And it it only makes sense that at this point you've got to get that super mondo heat, and the only way to do that is to tease what the fans want. Mm-hmm. That's how I do it. Obviously, what is the most likely thing to do is that The Rock will return at the Royal Rumble, win the Royal Rumble, and set his sights on that candy ass. But I also don't think that they're going to get Rock for more than one match. No. I think the insurance <clears throat> I- is too expensive. Yeah, I I mean, I would be shocked if I mean, I I think it would be more via satellite this go around, right, than it was with the the Cena stuff. So, that's what I That's what I think. I I can't wait to see what they do because it's it gets more and more it gets closer and closer that this is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think now it's more so a matter of when, right? A matter of if. So I think, uh, that should do it tonight. Yeah. I think that's, that's good. As we mentioned earlier, our Facebook is an open public group. Just search Brothers and Kayfabe. You will find it. And let us know, how how would you book this? How would you set this up? Oh. You know, brother, I I should, uh, you know, come in after, after it's over and beat Roman clean, brother. I got one good run in me. Call me back, Vince. I'm just saying, if if we really get Flair versus Sammy, I'm going to cry. I would love that. Because if that is Flair's real last match. I'd love it. The business will officially be dead. Just for a friend of the pod, Roger, I hope Flair's last match is against Jericho. (laughs) That being said, I think this has been good. Hopefully next week we'll be with Mary-Kate and we'll get to hear some some really, really cool stories and cool perspective, but... Well, as always, um, you can find us on social media, Brothers and Kayfabe Podcast. Join the Facebook group. Join the Patreon. $5 a month gets you everything. We're going to start putting up more stuff on YouTube, free to watch. And January 11th is Brother Fest. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been El Gigante, Jake Keel, the man over there 
has been Mr. Rasslin, Landon Bumgarner. As always, it is our greatest pleasure to bring you the Brothers in Cafe podcast. Leave us a review, like, subscribe, tell us how we can improve, help us out. We'll help you out. We'll make it worth your time. We promise, but we can't do that without you. But another thing we can't do without you is throwing up a little too sweet for life. We love you. We'll see you next week, people.